Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor. All right, guys, welcome back to the Agent Investor Podcast. I've got a guest here. Uh, first time I've ever had anybody on from Rochester, New York, Matt Drew. And Matt, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, Tom? Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we talked a little bit kind of in the intro um, about, you know, the focus of the show and stuff like that. So let's um, talk a little bit about like your background, like how you got started in real estate, like at all. How I got involved with real estate was pretty much by accident. So I went to a four-year liberal arts school um, and I thought that, you know, getting a general business degree uh, with a concentration of finance was going to get me like a job on Wall Street as a financial analyst. And I was going to be, you know, making buku bucks and all that stuff. And um, so I got my first taste of humble pie as a young adult when I was going out there looking for jobs, you know, in New York and these other markets. I looked at Boston as well. And, you know, the the job I could get was like it's an entry level data entry type of thing. Um, yeah. And that just wasn't that just wasn't my game. I thought that I was better than that. Fast forward, I was like, I need to find a job. And the only job I could find at the time in 2006 was as a part-time bank teller. It wasn't even a full-time position, but it was at Chase Bank and it was in the um, in a branch in my, in my hometown, um, which was, you know, an affluent white suburb. Um, my parents were more blue collar uh, that, you know, they basically spent every cent that they had to buy a house in this neighborhood to send us to the best school district. And so I always had this inferior, inferiority complex. So getting that job and then like having to, you know, basically have my customers as like my former high school mates was like extremely ego crushing. <laughs> so, um, and then that, and then, you know, basically standing behind a, you know, behind a teller desk, it just sucked. Um, so I was complaining to my dad about this. My dad was in real estate at the time. So he extended me an offer of, Hey, get your real estate license work under me and I'll show you the ropes and show you how to grow a real, a real estate brokerage business. And, um, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to give you any business. I just want to be very, very clear with that. I'm trying to like, you know, build my own thing. I'm not trying to like, you know, uh, let you take a bite at the apple too. So, um, so I was willing to take any opportunity at that point in time to get out of that situation. So yeah. that's how I got into real estate to start. Um, and so, it was a tough, it was a tough slog for me as a new agent. I was young, I was 22 years old and I was like, you know, I was horrible at prospecting. Um, and starting, you know, starting off as a realtor is it's tough, man. You gotta, it takes a long time to build up momentum. A lot of the people that are in your you know, sphere of influence are like, oh yeah, he got his real estate license. Like, you know, we'll see you back at the, you know, the regular job in six months. Right. Yeah. Um, so it takes a long time to build credibility with your sphere and that like, okay, this person's actually like made a decision to make, you know, to get, take this seriously. So, um, so anyways, it, it was a, it was tough, but I was able to like save about 16,000 bucks worth of commission checks. Um, I was also working part-time at a liquor store at the time. And so my dad was like, you know, Hey, you got some money saved up. You should buy a property and a multifamily property owner, occupy one of the units and rent out the rest, uh, because you can't live with me forever. Um, 
at this point in time, it was like, it was not in vogue to, uh, for millennials to live at your parents' house. So, um, so he pushed me out of the nest, so to speak. And, uh, that's really where I got bit by the bug is that, you know, I, I bought this property. It was a four family property. I lived in one of the units and I closed in the middle of the month and I magically had like 1800 bucks in rent checks in my mailbox, like two weeks later. Yeah. Um, and I knew because I was servicing like lower priced property markets. Like I knew how hard I had to work just to earn 1800 bucks in commission checks. Yeah. Um, so I kind of got the taste of this thing called, you know, passive ish income. Right. Um, so that's really where I got my start. Yeah. I love the word passive ish income. <laughs> I, me and me and my partner talked about this the other day, because like when we, when we got started, it was like, we read a rich dad, poor dad book. And you read it and it's like, oh, you get this passive income and like you just get checks in the mail and you close your eyes and all that stuff. And we were we were talking about it and we're like, you know, like real estate is like unbelievable. Passive income is unbelievable. Like business is like great. Love it. But like there's almost no such thing as completely passive income. Um, You know, like at the end of the day, like you you have some sort of involvement even if you structure it like perfectly, like you're still like being told stuff, you still have to do some things, but yeah, I like that word because I think some people or it's sold a little bit as like, I'm just going to like wake up, I'm going to be on an Island and like checks are going to come into the mail. So what, what, (laughs) what did that mean for you? Like what made it like passive ish, but not completely passive? Well, I mean, first starting out, I mean, I had to do everything myself. So it was definitely more, of a involved process there. And I was not mechanically inclined at all. My dad was not the mechanic in the family or anything like that. Um, you know, he, his background was in like, you know, he first started in general labor at a brewery and then it was into sales, right. In the real, in the real estate. So I really had to like, you know, this was before YouTube and stuff like that. So, I mean, I, I had a really, really heavy involvement on the front end and I'd call in contractors that, you know, sometimes would rip me off. Like, you know, when, when I had a pro when I had a problem that needed to be fixed at the property. Um, but even after I sort of, you know, grown and today I'm, I'm at about 120 units of like residential and commercial property, I still have an active involvement with that. And a portion of that portfolio is third party managed, which is, you know, supposed to be, um, completely passive. Right. And that's just not the case. I mean, I still get emails from them. I still have to, you know, drive by the properties and, you know, inspect what I expect. And, uh, there's still something there. I mean, the magic with passive ish income is that the income you get from it is not commensurate with the units of input in terms of like energy or your own labor. Um, it's like very, very, uh, unbalanced in a good, in a good way. So it, it affords you the opportunity to scale. Um, and you know, all of us, we only have 24 hours in a day. We don't have a, none of us have a 25th hour. And so that's where, you know, that's where the scalability is really attractive with real estate investing is, is, is that, um, and then also, you know, we don't have, you know, 401k matches and stuff like that as, as agents. I mean, at least, you know, most of us don't. So we have to find, you know, a better vehicles to achieve financial independence at some point in time, um, in our, in our career, because we don't have like access to those things like big companies do that have benefits and pensions and all that stuff. So, uh, so it's very important for agents to understand, like, you know, you gotta start planning for this stuff now and, you know, maxing out your, 
you know, IRA, um, it's, it's really only going to give you like just enough to live comfortably to retire. You need to find other investment avenues in order to live comfortably, um, in retirement. Um, and you know, so that's, uh, that's, that's it about passive income. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I know I totally, you know, would echo every single thing that you said. And it's a lot of the stuff that we, that we kind of talk about and, you know, a lot of people, they don't get started right away. And, you know, your dad, obviously it's funny because like half the story is like my dad, like didn't want to help me at all, but in this, <laughs> in the same token, and I'm sure you'll agree with it. Like he gave you some of the best help that anyone could have given, which is like, I'm going to get you starting in real estate and I'm going to recommend that you buy, you know, a multifamily property. And that's really what, what got you going. Mm -hmm. So what would you say like to an agent who's successful, that has never bought in like a multifamily property that's like nervous and has anxiety or like just has hesitated on doing it. I mean, I would recommend like if you have investor clients, like, you know, sit down with them and actually have a discussion with them and be open and humble. And, you know, it, I think a lot of agents avoid doing that because they're like, well, I'm the agent, I'm, I'm the expert, I'm supposed to know everything. But a lot of agents that I know that even specialize in working with investors don't even own any investment properties themselves. In my conversations with them, they really don't even understand like the basic fundamentals of how the business works, you know, how leverage, how leverage works, how to manage risk and stuff like that. So, um, so I mean, I recommend like, yeah, you have a captive audience with, you know, with investor clients, like, you know, sit down with them and, and, you know, quote unquote, you know, pick their brain. Uh, and, you know, just surrounding yourself with people that are actually actively doing it will build your confidence level. Um, because you're like, well, all right, this fool can do it. Like I can do it too. And real estate, you know, investing, it's the idiot's business. That's the reason why I got involved with it is because like, I'm not the, you know, Same here. I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm risk adverse. Um, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to start up some, you know, tech company with, that's going to, you know, where I'm going to produce the next, you know, killer app or anything like that. I'm just not that smart. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, that's my, that's my suggestion. And, um, there's like, you know, out of the many hundreds of agents that I know, um, there's probably only like a, a few of them that have ever bought an investment property. And that's like, and that's not right. So yeah, I always um, tell people like I used to do like a lot of speaking. And one of the things I used to say, I, I had this little slide up and it was like a bunch of, of people standing in a room. And like some of them I had labeled as like successful investors and some of them I had labeled as just average everyday people who have never invested. And I said, if you mixed up all these people, you would never be able to just from like a two minute conversation, know who's like this super successful, wealthy person and just this person who's never invested because like you said, it, it's just somebody doing it. Like, it, it's not like, like, I, I think that was like my realization because it took me, it took me like three or four years to do my first investment deal. Mm -hmm. And I remember like going to these networking groups and I would meet these people that were like doing it and I'd be like, oh my, what, like this person's doing it. And I don't mean to even say that like in a negative way, it was just like this person that like was just average every day like myself and they were doing all these big things and I'm like how are they doing it and what everyone told me is just like they took action and that's like <laughs> that's really the difference and like you know um you know you talk to people it, like I talk to people all the time on like my show and other shows and just you know nationally and it's like the people who are like you know way up here it's like they just kept 
doing stuff. And the people, you could be super smart, but you never took any action. And it's like, you never go up. And it's, it's just, it, I mean, it's so simple, but it's also something that like, I always repeat because it's so true. And, and that's uh, to add on to that. I mean, that's the thing with action is that what you don't really realize, and this is also comes from like, you know, mar- it's the same thing as marketing, right? Like your actions are not like big and small. They're not only like cumulative, but they become exponential at some point in time. Yeah. And so every time you take action, you're planting a seed and it takes it takes some time for that seed to grow, but it's also takes from consistent, persistent, and also intentional action. And, um, and just, you know, aggressive patience is, I think is the best, uh, is the, is the, uh, best uh, term for it. So. Yeah. We call it like getting 1% better every day mm-hmm. and essentially like the way that we, you know, and, and this is really true. It's like you starting real estate or you start investing and everybody wants the big thing to happen right away. Mm-hmm. right? I do. Everybody does. Right. And it's like, all you need to do is get 1% better every day. And then all of a sudden, like you've got hundreds of percents better and that's your baseline now. And like you talked about same thing, the seed analogy is the same exact thing where like you plant a bunch of seeds and like, they're not going to grow right away. They are just not. But like, if you're continuing to plant, you're continuing to get 1% better all of a sudden, and you talked about having like over a hundred units, I think you said close to 150, all of a sudden you go from this real estate agent that's having a tough time, maybe not doing a lot of sales to now. I can't say this for sure, but I would venture to guess that you're close to, if not at the point now where your passive income is high enough that you don't have to worry every day about like having a huge sale volume. Mm-hmm. I don't want to speak for you, but would you agree with that? Oh yeah. I mean, I've replaced my income several times over through the growth of the real estate portfolio. Um, and I've been doing this for 15 years, but it didn't have to take me 15 years. It was really only when I started fo- like fo- focusing and developing a plan. It really took me, it's really took me three years to go from 14 units to about 120 units. Uh, and in that process, in that process, I was able to more than replace my income. And it's also made me a better agent in the process because now I'm not like transit. I'm not transactional. I'm not like, you know, having to, you know, having to do a deal to like, you know, like make my mortgage payment or like, all right, I got to take the, I got to take the family on the vacation this year and, and, you know, and all that stuff. So, um, so it's definitely, you know, benefited me from that way too. And also, now I'm still a practicing agent, but you know, I don't really, I'd say only service like friends and family. I only make like intentionally just enough to pay my living expenses because I don't want to take distributions out of my real estate investments. Yep. And, um, in that process, I don't, I don't pay income tax anymore, uh, because all the depreciation and, um, and net loss carry forwards from the capital improvements to make on the properties offset all of my brokerage income. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that's great. And also greatly reduces the uh, amount of self-employment tax that I have to pay as well. Um, because now I'm a, a considered a full-time real estate, uh, uh, real estate professional, um, because I've sort of transitioned, uh, transitioned over to, um, more on the development and investing side. Let's take a quick break from the episode to get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors. Join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. Yeah, no, I, I love it. I mean, you're, you're pretty much at the point where 
most people that they they read that rich dad poor dad book are like okay i want to get to this point where you know i can work when i want you know not work when i don't have to mm-hmm. and when you're pressing like you're not the best version of yourself because you're you're not looking at it from the right perspective you're not looking at it like a, a you know a consultant you're looking at it like i i going to make money i and i know like i've done it like i've I've done it. And it's like, you got to get this deal done, whatever I have to do. Like I got to push, but that's not, you know, the right way. And, 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 and doing it the right way leads to more business because that leads to more referrals. It leads to more deals and stuff like that. Um, so with your agents, what you're doing on the agent side now, like, are you just looking at it? Like, like, do you turn away people at this point or are you thinking about growing out a team or have you grown out a team or are you just like, I'm going to keep it like simple and just, you know, like you said, earn enough and that's really it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I had thoughts about growing a, growing a team and growing a real estate brokerage business, but the thing is that that would take leadership is a, is a incredibly elusive skill. Um, it's the most difficult thing to master. And I would have, you know, wanted to focus my time more on growing the development business and growing the portfolio rather than being responsible for the well-being of whatever, you know, five, 10 different agents. And that's kind of where I was at. I mean, uh, 90% of my time is spent on trying to, on trying to grow our development company. Um, and then the other time is like, you know, is, friends and family, past clients to come in. And these are people that I like, you know, want to work with. I'll do a quick like interview with them and I'll know within 10 minutes whether I want to work with this person or if I'm going to refer them to an agent or a team that I know that will be able to service them um, and service them well. Yeah. Uh, so I do a lot of refer- referrals. You had mentioned, uh, you mentioned like, uh, you know, uh, Compass is a company like, you know, I had, you know, referred some deals down, down in Brooklyn to, uh, to a compass agents and like that. So I do, I do a lot of referrals as well, um, from, uh, from my client base. Yeah. Again, like another thing that I think gets screwed up so often, and I've been, I've done this and I think, um, you know, taking on too much and not being focused on the stuff and being intentional enough about what you should be doing. And like, it's interesting because, I would say 90% of people that are in your shoes would have built out a team. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that you kind of acknowledged or realized that like, you know, it, um, it takes time, effort and energy. And if you can't do it the right way, it's not going to work out. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very common for people to, to try to build out a team or build out a brokerage or, or do this something that they feel like is like the next level for them. And um, I've learned this the hard way. And I'm sure again, like a lot of people on this, on the, they're listening would, would acknowledge it. Like it's hard to be really good at like 10 things. And um, probably one of my biggest, you know, things is I think I can be good at 10 things because <laughs> I'm competitive, but, mm-hmm. but the reality is like the way that you're doing it is a much smarter way to do it because you're saying, Hey, like if I have to refer out something, maybe I can make a little bit more running a team or doing this, but like, it's going to take my focus away from doing what my number one goal is. So with that being said, like you're up to hundred and something Unix, it sounds like that's the focus. What are you trying to do like there in the next like two or three or four years? Like what, you know, what, what are the big goals you have for that? 
So our, our objective is to grow to a million square feet under ownership and management around our community of Rochester, New York. Um, so, uh, and we got a ways to go. I think we're at about, uh, 250,000 square feet or so that we, uh, that we, that we own. So, and we've also gravitated towards more commercial, like commercial deals. We won't touch a deal if it's, if it, if it doesn't, if it doesn't gross at least $200,000 a year in gross rents, we won't, we won't touch that deal unless it's like right next to a property that we already own. Um, so now, when you say commercial, do you mean just like a number of residential units or are you legitimately talking about like, I have businesses in these buildings? Uh, so I've, you know, my start came from a multifamily, um, over the past five years or so, I've sort of started to lose my taste for multifamily. So I've gotten more into commercial office, retail, uh, industrial, artist studio, you know, artist studios and maker space. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, I like it because it's like, a, it feels more like a partnership with my, uh, with my tenants that I curate for these properties. Like I don't, I get so much joy out of renting somebody a single office in one of our executive suites. And then six months later, and they're scared as hell. Cause they're like, you know, they've been working from home for a while. And then six months later, they're calling me. They're like that. I got, you know, four or five people like stuffed into this office. I need, we need to grow. Do you have any other space available? And just being there to, uh, to help along that process is, uh, just for me, I get a lot more enjoyment uh, out of it. Now our residential tenants are awesome. Um, they are, um, you know, they're, you know, they pay the rent on time. Um, they treat, you know, they treat our properties right and stuff like that. So, but uh, I just, you know, I just get a lot more joy out of the commercial side of things. Yeah. Knowing, I think that's, you know, something, you know, self-awareness too. Like we've, we've gone through a little bit of that. Like we were buying a bunch of, um, like two to four unit buildings mm -hmm. and we found it, you know, very difficult to manage. So, so we ended up, we sold almost all of them and now we're doing like 50 units and up residential. Yeah. Same, same thing. I mean, finding out kind of what, what fix for your business, um, you know, that's great. So how are you out like prospecting or looking for those types of deals? Cause those type of deals are totally different than residential. Like, you know, how are you trying to obtain them? So, I mean, those, those markets are, really, really controlled by, uh, commercial brokers is yep. one. Um, so, uh, may, you know, maintaining, cultivating relationships and building relationships with commercial, commercial brokers. Um, the commercial real estate transaction market is very different from residential. Um, it's typically, it's a very, very relationship-based business and commercial broker, like a lot of the stuff they deal with is, is stuff that's not on the market and they got one shot to make a deal happen. I'm like, let's say a 50 unit apart, like apartment community, right? Um, Cause it might be off market. They bring it to somebody and they can't close. And uh, you know, the deal goes up in smoke then that whole deal just fell apart. And some commercial brokers only do a, a handful of deals a year. So the livelihood depends upon it. Um, so there's commercial brokers, uh, and then there's, you know, I mean, I mean, I maintain a, you know, pretty robust thought leadership platform, uh, around real estate investing education. So I'm intentionally out there to give as much valuable information as possible as to how to build a real estate investing business for free. And in exchange for that, I get seen as a subject matter expert. So there's even other invest real estate investors that refer me uh, deals because of that. Cause you know, a deal might have some hair on it, may have some occupancy issues, um, whatever they might be intimidated by it, which is probably like 
most of the time is like, you know, these guys have bought four family and three family properties and, you know, they don't know how to take down a 24 unit property. Yep. Um, so uh, that's another, uh, that's another source as well. Um, and then there's a, and then there's like the regular prospecting, like driving around the neighborhoods that we are targeting and, you know, looking at properties that look like, hey, these things are, you know, look kind of mismanaged um, and, uh, you know, just keeping our ear to the ground uh, that way as well. Yeah. So, I mean, everything that you've, it, it's funny because we, like, I talked to so many different people and a lot of people have like a million ideas and no real clear focus. And you have this one idea, very clear focus, you know exactly what you're doing and it's very simple. If you don't know exactly what you want, it's hard to get it. And sometimes like, you know, what, whether or not you think Matt's plan is like this super exciting or sexy plan or not, <laughs> you know, it's probably not the sexiest plan I've heard. But it's also a very clear path to wealth that like I, given how clear you are about it, I'd be shocked like if you didn't hit it. Mm -hmm. So I think um, the simplicity is something that that we all need to get a little bit better at and that we can take away from, you know, this podcast. So what would you say, you know, to wrap, like what's the biggest piece of advice that you could give, you know, an agent related to investing like period? Do a deal. If you haven't done a deal yet, buy an investment property. You know, there's so many different strategies out there. There's so many different, there's like just a confusion of amount of information out there. Yep. Um, so if you're comfortable with buying a single family house, then do it. You know, even if it ends up being a bad deal, you'll learn a tremendous amount in the process. The most important thing is, is that, you know, most of us have have friends, have family, um, running a successful real estate brokerage business. You know, I grew up with my father being in the business and you know, my mother working all the time as a dialysis nurse, like weird, crazy hours. Like it was very difficult for my parents to be present. Um, and especially my dad, you know, he was doing between 10 and $15 million a year in, uh, in production. And I just remember like going out to dinner with him and the, you know, for a birthday or something like that. And he was taking phone calls the entire time. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's like, and, you know, some people say that, you know, oh, I can turn my real estate business into, you know, this like fully automated brokerage thing there. It's a really, really high touch business that requires a lot of connectivity. Um, you know, I have clients that I'm working for with, if I don't answer their text message within 15 minutes, like they're, you know, they're, they start blowing me up. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really, really important in terms of, you know, uh, helping balance a lifestyle over time, over time uh, with, the, you know, with the real estate thing there. So yeah, just like, you know, do it, you know, do a deal. I don't think anybody's gotten killed in the process of, of doing one deal. No. So, I mean, at the very least, it's like the, it's the, it's the, it's the least expensive tuition you'll pay. Um, that has a tremendous amount of upside in the back end. Yeah. I love it. And, and so many people will like invest in education or go to school or do all these things. And it's like, it's not even a thought, but like the potential for getting into a deal, which most likely is going to work out seems like scary. So <laughs> it's, kind of, it's just kind of one of those like life kind of like interesting things, but I want to thank you, uh, Matt, for, for jumping on today, sharing your knowledge. Um, and uh, yeah, first Rochester, New York uh, guest. So I'm happy to, happy to, you know, break the seal on that one. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. And guys, we'll be back next week with another episode of the Agent Investor Podcast. Thanks for listening to Agent Investor. And especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. 
Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And stay tuned for the next episode of Agent Investor.